I've got three kids at home. I've got a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old who are some of the ones up here. And I've also got a three-and-a-half-year-old uh, who's tragically not going back to school yet. I would love to send him out of the house and give his mom uh, a breather. But still, he's at home uh, with my wife being crazy and wild and everything. And one of the things about him is that he gets up super early every day. Uh, some of you are thinking, well, yeah, he gets up early because you put him to bed too early. So if you put him to bed later, he'll probably wake up later. Only it doesn't work. He just wakes, wakes up like cranky and angry uh, and exhausted. So we put him to bed early uh, and he wakes up early forever. doesn't change. But part of waking up early for him, he loves the stars, loves nighttime. And he is convinced that like all the stars went away in April uh, when the time changed and when it started getting lighter later. So he hasn't seen any of them since April. We had some friends who came over on Friday. Uh, they stayed late. We had an amazing time. And Micah, like we didn't want to leave our friends, go put the kids to bed and then come back down. So we just gave the kids like a free pass. It is Jubilee Day. You can stay up as late as you want. And so uh, Micah got to run outside an hour and a half past his bedtime. And he goes outside and it's dark, which he is not used to. Uh, and he looks up and there's stars, which he's so excited about. And so he comes up to me. He's like, Dad, the stars are back. Like he's so excited that they're there. It's a massive surprise to him. For all of us, we just know like it gets lighter later and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, but for him, like it's a, it's a huge surprise. Totally caught off guard, doesn't know what to do with it. Uh, but he's so excited that the stars are there. And it made his day. He ran in the street later, got in big trouble for that. But that didn't diminish the fact that the stars were back and he was super stoked for that. And what we're talking about today is a surprise that's similar to that. We've been in the book of Jonah for the last week. We're going to be there this week and the next two weeks. And we're looking at a surprise that happens in the passage. Where we were at last week, the book of Jonah starts with Jonah warning everyone there is a disaster coming. Be prepared. Something bad is on its way. And he talks about locusts, these ugly bugs that go and just eat everything that they can possibly find. And at the end of it, uh, there's a change in it that happens that instead of the locusts coming, there's an army coming. And you think like, this is worse because now it's humans instead of bugs. But God says, no. I'm in charge of the army. And as you turn back to me, my army will fight for you and there will be freedom from everything. And so where we're going to be at today in Jonah chapter two, you can go there in your Bible or your app now. We're going to start in verse 12. It's continuing where we were at last week, where Jonah uh, chapter two, verse 11, uh, God asks the question. He says, the day of the Lord is an awesome, terrible thing. Who can possibly survive? And, and uh, Joel, have I said Jonah like 15 times? Okay, just joking. You did not hear that wrong. Uh, you heard it completely right. I uh, like the book of Jonah, so sue me. Uh, but Joel this time, Joel, how many times have I said it? Like a million? That's just great. The book of Joel 2, uh, that's where we'll be at today. Joel begins to unpack the Lord's answer to this question of who can possibly survive. And he begins with the whole idea, Joel does, not Jonah, Joel does, with highlighting the fact and bringing to, bringing to our minds the fact that God is a restoring God. For all of us, that's 100% true. None of us come into a relationship with God, step into a relationship with God because we earn it. All of us are brought in by God's grace and mercy poured out on our behalf. There are no perfect Christians. I am not one. If you're looking for a church with perfect people, this is not it. We're not perfect. We're just forgiven, and God brings us into relationship through forgiveness. And we're going to begin to see that here. Joel 2, verse 12, it says, This is what the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is still time. 
Part of the way that God gives us restoration, the way that God shows us his love for us, is first off, is that God gives us opportunities in our life to get stuff right. He restores us with time to change. 2 Peter 3.15, Peter, a guy who, who's a lot like us, he's a normal human who spent a lot of time literally following Jesus around. Uh, he says this in 2.15, he said that God's patience gives people a time to be saved. God's patience gives us an opportunity to leave our old lives and step into the new lives that God has for us. And the message in this isn't just as God says, uh, that turn to me while there's, not, while there's still time. He's not saying, okay, I want you to put it off as long as possible. And when you think that your time is just about to run out, I want you to get everything in your life right. I want you to fix everything then. What he's saying more is that that time is short, and so I want you running after me with everything you have, not knowing how much time left you have. I ran track and cross country in junior high, high school, college, uh, and most of the time, like through class, even though I was a runner and enjoyed it, so there's already a little bit of crazy in here, like you walk in between classes, okay? If you remember back to high school, you remember one thing, you don't sprint from class to class because that is crazy, okay? I had one of my teammates who looked at every opportunity as a chance to run, so practice, he's running. He'd run morning, evening, and in between classes. So it was really weird. Like you see 800 to 1,000 kids walking from one, one like group of classes to the other. Everybody's walking, trying to get there just right on time. Nobody wants to spend any extra time in class because really it's school. You don't like it. And then there's one kid who's got crazy long hair, running, trying to get through everybody else, who's literally running. Like we would see this guy all the time. There goes our teammate. He is running from class to class. He is the only person. He's not afraid that he's going to be late. He doesn't have two classes that are on opposite ends of the campus. He is running from one place to the other. And so it was really easy to pick him out because he's the only crazy person on campus who's running from one class to the other. I think God is calling us to that same sense of urgency. He's saying part of the way that I'm going to help you get stuff right in your life, we're going to work together on this, is I'm going to give you days, weeks, months, and years to get this right. I'm going to restore you by providing you with time to get restored. I'm not doing this so that you can hold off until the very end and then squeeze something out right before you die so that you can show me, hey, I've turned my life around, but to take advantage of every moment to say yes to Jesus in every area. So restored, we are restored with time to change. Also, we are restored to relationship, not just ritual. He continues, he says, Give me your hearts. Come with fasting and weeping and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in grief, but tear your hearts instead. I think we hear that, come with fasting, mourning, and weeping. And our first response is, I'm going to do things my way. You want me to come with fasting and weeping and mourning? Okay, you can, you can say that, but you can't actually make me do that. Because there's nothing that says you have to fast, you have to weep, you have to mourn. God has given us a picture of what a relationship with him looks like. We're fasting, which is a, a Christian discipline where we go without food or something else that we enjoy so we can receive more from God. It's where we're taking a step in discipline to build our relationship with God. Okay, no one in this, especially Joel who's writing this, he's not saying that we have a better relationship with God or we have a relationship with God because we've gone without for long enough so that God looks at us and says, you know what, now I will accept you. You have done enough that now I will bring you into my family as my son. That's not at all what he's saying. What, what he's saying in this is that fasting, weeping, mourning, these are all pictures of what a life with Jesus looks like. 
that God owns our hearts. He owns everything about us. So fasting, weeping, mourning, disciplines, things that we do aren't to get God's affection, but they're things done as a result of God's affection. That because God loves us, because we are enamored with the love and grace and peace of Jesus poured out over our lives. When it comes time to fast, when it comes time to go without food or go without something so that we can have more of God's interaction in our lives, we say, yeah, it's worth it. Weeping, we say, yeah, that's worth it. Mourning and, and being broken over our sin, we're not doing that to impress God. But we're doing it in light of the Savior who gave everything for us. And so a natural response is weeping and mourning sometimes. It's a picture of the life that God already owns. He's not saying you have to do this, so I'll pay attention to you. But we're looking at our lives accurately and honestly and saying, because of everything that Jesus has done for me, this is how I'm going to live out. Thirdly, we, re- we are restored through continual repentance. Repentance is a Christian word for I'm walking one way, I realize it's wrong, God tells me it's wrong, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk back the other way. It means that we're going to make a U-turn in our life spiritually. And for us, if you could be new to this Christian thing and not really knowing what it's about, but I'm going to solve it for you, all of life is one big U-turn. That we're used to be doing one thing and we're turning everything that we are back to God. We believe that Jesus owns everything about us. And so every day we're getting up and we're saying, okay, God, I'm giving you it all. I'm giving you my mind and the things that I think, my eyes, what I see, my ears, how I hear you, how I hear other people, giving you my voice and the things that I say, my heart and what I hold dear, my sexuality, my knees, what I bow down to, my feet, where I go. God, it's all yours. All of it is yours. And every day I'm going to make every single U-turn necessary that I need to make to step away from the way that I'm doing things to come back to how you created me to live. And so what Joel is doing here is he's calling everyone to come back to that idea, to come back to the God who loves us. He says, return to the Lord, verse 13, return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate. He's slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He's eager to relent and not punish. Skip ahead to 15. Blow the ram's horn in Jerusalem, announce a time of fasting, call all the people together for a solemn meeting, gather all the people, the elders, the children, even the babies, call the bridegroom from his quarters and the bride from her private room. He's saying, we want everyone on this. This is something that's available to everyone. Restoration through turning from sin to turn back to Jesus. This is what the whole community is doing. The elders are doing it. The old, older people in the community who have followed God for decades upon decades, which means that it's, it's tons of years of saying, picking ourselves back up and saying, man, this is what I had done. It's wrong. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to walk back to Jesus. The book of Proverbs uh, the, the author says that a righteous person might fall seven times, but every time they get back up. The elders are saying, here, man, we, we've had years and years of falling, but every time we get back up, we walk back to Jesus. That's what it is to follow Jesus for a whole lifetime, is getting back up and walking back after we fall. Babies and children, what he's talking about there is, is we're going to start teaching people at a young age, this is what it is to follow Jesus. If you've got people behind you in life, whether they're people who are younger than you or people who might be your age or older but are younger than you spiritually, our job as Christians is to bring them along in what it means to follow Jesus. People have questions, and as we learn answers, we lead people in the truth of what it means to follow Jesus. And then he talks about 
bride and groom. Like, that's kind of different. Why bring them in? The, the stance in their culture was once you get married as a man, you don't have to go to war for a year. And so what he's saying here is even go after the people who are totally off limits. You think no one can touch that person? Go after them and call them back into relationship with Jesus. Call them back to a U-turn. We're about to start school. That missions moment was awesome today. Uh, some of you have already started. Some of you haven't been to school in decades. So this is still going to apply to all of us. All right. As, as people, we love to have new opportunities to try new things. All right. We've got New Year's resolutions and things like that. You might have made yours. I made mine. I made it nine hours until I broke it. And I was asleep for seven of those. So if you can do better than that, way to go. You're better than the pastor. But, but you can use the first day of school as your day to say, hey, I've been doing this and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm drawing a line in the sand. First day of school, it's not mine, but I'm borrowing it. Uh, and I'm going to use this opportunity to repent in an area that I'm not. To take one step closer to Jesus, to make one more U-turn, to come back to the God who loves you and the God who created you. We've got green bookmarks on the side here that, that walk you through finding freedom from sin, that walk you through repentance. It's us identifying our sin what, in the ways that Jesus calls it. It's not just a little white lie, it's lying. It's not gossip, it's, it's murdering people with our words. We're calling it what God calls it. We're also going to ask God, okay God, what are the lies that I believe about this action that lead me to do it? We're going to listen, we're going to pray back the things that he tells us. We're going to commit to God, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm making a U-turn. I'm walking away from that. That's not who I am anymore. We rejoice in our God who loves us and forgave us. And he's not like, well, you're only half-hearted effort here, so you're only getting half forgiveness. No, God looks at us and says, I'm going to give you all the forgiveness you need because this relationship is based on not you earning anything, but you receiving from me the good things I have for you because I'm a gracious, loving, forgiving, restoring God. First day of school could be an opportunity for us as a church to say this is where we've been in life, but we don't want to be there anymore. We're making a U-turn. We're going to the things that Jesus has for us. And so Joel here, he's calling people not just to safety from disaster, but to spiritual salvation because God sacrifices everything for our salvation, not for our punishment. We see that in the life of Jesus, that God sacrifices everything, not, not to punish us like what we looked at at the beginning of the book of Joel with the locusts that are coming in the army, but for our salvation. Joel, looking ahead to Jesus, he says this in verse 14. He says, who knows? Perhaps he will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of this curse. Perhaps you will be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. He's saying, I know that God is merciful. I know that God is compassionate. I know that he is slow to get angry and, and filled with unfailing love. He's eager to relent and not punish. But if we look at the things that we've done, if we look at the way that we have a nation have lived, have we maxed out all of these things about God? And God gives us a life-size example to say no. And that's all in the person of Jesus. That's the good news of what it means to be a Christian. That's the big I am for you announcement that God has for all humanity for all time. Is that while we were sinners, while we had worked our way away from Jesus, that we had delighted in our sin, which destroyed God and put God on the cross in the form of Jesus. God says, as you have walked away from me, out of my love for you, which will never change, I'm going to bring you back to myself. Romans 3.23, it says very plainly and very uh, 
no way out for us, that everyone is sinned, that everyone falls short of God's glorious standard, that we are part of that everyone. But it continues. It says, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. He's saying, have you sinned? Yes. Joel is asking, perhaps God might relent. Perhaps God might give us blessing instead of curse. And God says, I'm going to give you a blessing in the form of a person who's going to live perfectly, who's going to lay down his life for yours, who's going to take on your sin that you owe to God, and he's going to pay the penalty for it so that you can inherit and receive the perfect relationship that Jesus has with God, that we receive what we didn't earn. And Jesus takes on what he didn't deserve. It's the great exchange. It's God showing us that he's willing to lay down everything, lay down his own life in human form, not to punish us, but to bring us into relationship. Saying, I'm going to restore every single broken part of your life imaginable and more. And I'm going to do that through becoming human, living like you, but never sinning. And giving my life so that you could find wholeness, so that you could find restoration, so you could find forgiveness, which is only found through Jesus. Joel is looking forward. He's looking forward to what Jesus is going to do. He's looking forward to the blessing that's going to be received by the people of Judah and not the curses that they deserve. It's the beginning of a picture of our life with Jesus. That when we deserve death, when we deserve punishment, instead God gives us mercy, gives us grace, gives us forgiveness and calls us to life change. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, that's the surprise of the passage for you. That there's a God who loves you. There's a God who's for you. There's a God who sent Jesus to die for you. There's a Holy Spirit that wants to live inside of you. Move into all the darkness, all the mess, knowing exactly what's there and to change you from the inside to be more like the God who created you and loves you. If you're here, you're not a Christian, you've got a chance to respond to that at the end of the service and experience the love of a God who thinks more of you than you ever will of yourself. And for us as Christians, we cry out for our friends who know us but don't yet know Jesus. For all of us, we are saved from our sin. That penalty, that curse, that bondage is dead, gone, buried, stayed in the tomb as Jesus walked out three days later. And for us, we are saved from that, and we are saved for the purpose of going everywhere that God sends us to tell everyone that God puts in our path about the God that loves us and about the God that loves your friend. For us, we're not just saved to kind of coast until we die and we go to be in heaven with Jesus, but to make a difference on our earth, in our lives, in our world, in our homes, in our businesses now. We're sent out as missionaries. That was one of the things that I loved about Missions Moment today, is so many of those kids that were standing out here see school as a place to play during recess, eat food and play again at lunch, and then suffer through the rest of class, okay? I was king of that club. And we're reminding them today, and everyone else who's going to school, that you're going as a missionary. You're going because Jesus loves you. You're going because there's a teacher that you're going to spend so much time with this year. And they may or may not know Jesus, but they're going to see it in you. You're going to classmates who might not have the same home life as you do, and they're going to find peace, they're going to find love that you know that you experience little kids as Christians, but you're going to model that to them. And they're going to meet Jesus this year because you're going to talk about Jesus at recess and invite people to church. We're reminding our students from a really young age, this is why you go to school. 
not just to learn stuff. That's really important. But it's your first step into a mission field of following Jesus at fill-in-the-blank elementary school. You don't have to go to some unpronounceable town in India to be a missionary. For some of you, that means just going back home to be a missionary. To parents or to children who don't yet know Jesus, to spouses who don't know Jesus. It means going to work and being a light there. By living out Colossians 3.23, that whatever you do, you're going to work as if you're working for God and not just for people. That as you go to your friend groups and the people that you hang out with and spend time with, that you're going as a missionary. That you're sent by God into those people's lives. And the way that this takes weight, the way that it gathers momentum is when we take the best that we could do and we pair it with the best that God can do. And that happens through prayer. Because our best is only going to go so far. My best, I know, is going to be like to the end of my ability and that's where it stops. But that's when God comes in. When we ask God, hey God, you know how broken X person is. You know that they need a relationship with you. God, I want you to come in and I want you to work on their heart and bring them to you. And God says, I hear that. I love that person. And that is exactly what I'm going to do. If you want to circle a date and and point arrows about where we're going to push to as a church, we're pushing towards our fall kickoff. That's going to be September 10th. It's going to be an awesome service. Great music here. A message that applies to everyone as we start a new series in the book of Exodus. And then after second service, after this service uh, on September 10th, we're going to have a big tri-tip meal out uh, in front of the church in the shade. It's going to be awesome. And it's going to be a great opportunity for you all to bring food. No, not bring food. Bring friends. I'm trying to think ahead as I'm talking. You can think, how about I bring less friends and I can have more food? No, that's not the answer. We're going to have plenty of food. But who are the people in your life who need to know about Jesus? Who are the people in your life who need somebody, just you know they're on the edge. They just need someone to tell them about Jesus. Invite them to a church that will tell them about Jesus. Bring them into a community of people who aren't perfect but who are fully forgiven who can model out what it looks like for us to live on fire for Jesus. September 10th, that's the day. We're going to have invite cards and all that stuff starting next week. But it's going to be our opportunity to make a dent in people's spiritual lives as we invite them here to hear about Jesus who loves them. And yes, eat a bunch of really good food too. But that's not the point. Jesus is the point. And it's going to be a great day on that day. You'll get tons of reminders between now and then and invite cards you can pass out and all those things. For us today, God wants to speak to us. God wants to give us a word today. And the reason that's behind all of this is because we all believe that, that God is a God who speaks to us. He didn't just save us, stick us here, and said, I'll catch you back when you die and we can be in heaven. God communicates to us daily. God communicates to us minute by minute. And today we want to take an intentional step toward that to say, all right, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? And there are three areas that I believe that God wants to talk to us today. The first is around the whole area of comfort because God's forgiven us and as we repent, he wants to give us comfort. Okay, what's repentance? Again, it's that U-turn thing that we do in our lives. And I believe that God wants to remind us this morning that as there are things that we're turning from, and you could be thinking, man, I am in this thing deep. Turning around is going to be really difficult. I need encouragement from God. God says, come, let somebody listen to me for you on your behalf and give you a word of comfort. 
We're going to have people who are lined up in pairs uh, around the sides of the room uh, who want to do exactly that for you. All you need to come up and just say, this is my name, fill in the blank. You should already have that prepared. And then just say, I want a word of comfort. You don't have to go into detail whatsoever. Just say name, comfort. And we're going to ask God, okay, God, what do you want to say to this person around comfort as they repent from sin? Second thing is around strength. God today wants to give us a word of strength because he's empowering us for the road, of head, road ahead. Okay, we're going a million different ways from all of us into whatever direction in life we're going. And God knows about all of them. And as God knows about all of them, God wants to get involved in all of them. Some of us need a whole lot of strength as we walk into what's ahead of us. And God knew about that first. And so as we come today, we say, God, I want a word of strength. God says, okay, I'm going to meet you there because I know the road that's ahead of you. And I'm going to bless you with a word of strength today. And the last area is that God wants to give us a word today around encouragement because he's going to give us hope for our lost friend's salvation. For some of you, it could be people that you've been praying for for decades saying, God, I want you to move in this person's heart. I want you to bring them to me. And God's saying, okay, let's do this one more time. Let's do this again. I want to encourage you as you pray for another year for this person to say yes to me. That you're going to invite them again because they've said no for the last 32 times that this time they're going to say yes. And the Lord wants to encourage you today as you go forward to be the missionary that that person needs. God wants to encourage us with that today. So I'm going to invite us to stand. Worship team is going to come up. And if you're one of the people who's going to pray, uh, make your way to the side and, and let's get ready to get ready to listen to the Lord for the people that he's going to bring to us today. So Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you're here, you're active, you're alive. You're a compassionate God who is slow to get angry. And you're rich in unending love. Father, I thank you that you're all about comfort, strength, and encouragement. That as we come to you, as we declare our dependence on you, Lord, we step into receiving from you. We step into a place uh, of grace from you.